Good morning, Seven Mile Road. It's good to see everyone today. I always love coming back here um, to be with you guys and to share the word with you guys. If we could just open up with a word of prayer, that would be great. Father, we come here today <clears throat> knowing that we are a people who have many fears at times, who go through trouble who have had horrible experiences and will have horrible experiences. But we know that you are the God who hears our cry, who loves us, who is for us, who will deliver us. Please let this word sink into our heart today. Let your spirit <clears throat> be with us, Father. We trust in you. Be with me as I speak, Lord. Help us to be encouraged by the word, changed by the word. Amen. So we're going to continue our sermon, our sermon series, our summer sermon series on the promise of a praying life and what keeps us out. Today we're going to be learning how to pray through fear, through times of trouble, through distress. We all experience fear. We live in a world that is filled with sin, that is filled with death, that's filled with suffering where we have an enemy. And so we all go through this time, these times. We have seasons of our life where we feel abandoned by God. We feel like we don't deserve to be loved by God. We wonder <clears throat> if he's even for us, if he's even with us. I want to encourage you today that God is with you. He's for you. He loves you. And this is truth. But what happens sometimes is we go through a horrible experience. We're in a time of fear, and we turn the wrong way. We allow fear to keep us out of the promise of a praying life. So I used to watch horror movies until I got convicted of it. So I've been convicted of watching horror movies. Not trying to put that on you, but maybe you should think about it. Um, so in my early 20s, I go to see these horror movies. It, almost, it always seemed like the person ran the wrong way when the serial killer was coming after him. So they'd be in the street. You have some street lights. They'd see the serial killer. And they'd like run into the woods. And so I'd be in movies. People would be yelling at the screen, no, don't go in there. Not only do they run into the woods, they find the only sh um, shack with blunt objects in it. So they're hiding with like a shed full of axes. You know, and machetes. And you're like, get out of here. There. You're running the wrong way. Or they're in the house and they run into the only room that has no way out. Or they hide in the closet. Everyone knows don't hide in the closet. Because you see the serial killer's feet. And then he gets you. I do not want that for you. I do not want you guys when fear, when trouble comes, to run the wrong way. I want you to be confident that you can turn to a God who loves you who cares for you, who will be there when you cry out to him. Like I was telling that story of my daughters. My daughters know that if they're in trouble, they can call their father's name, and I will come running. Now, it happens to be spiders. I didn't know that was part of being a dad. Sometimes I get worried because I think there is a serial killer in the house, but it's really only an insect. But they know I love them. So out of the the realness of their heart. They say, Dada, 
save us. Save me. And what do I do? Because I love them. I deliver them and save them. And I want you today, when we hear from the scriptures, to have that same confidence that you can cry out to God in your toughest time, in the most horrible season of your life, and your God will hear you, and he will deliver you. I want to get from your fears. I want to give you a little background of the text today. Um, David has just been delivered from a horrible experience. So I'll give you a little bit of history of David. David was anointed to be the future king of Israel. God had rejected Saul because he was not obeying him. And so God sought a man after his own heart. So he sent Samuel to a town. David wasn't even called to the lineup. (laughs) They said, there's no way this dude is going to be the future king. They called all his older brothers. Then finally, when no one was chosen, they said, where? Are these all your sons? And they find David. They bring David. Samuel says, this is the one. Because God does not look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. So David, as a young man, gets anointed by the man of God, Samuel. And he says, you are going to be the future king of Israel. That's a lot of weight for a young man. It's both encouraging, but it's a lot of weight. So David continues shepherding. Um, He's communing with God. He's getting to know God through being a shepherd. God's delivering him through circumstances. And through God's sovereign will, one day he's bringing supplies to his brother. Everyone knows the story. And he ends up becoming a national hero because no one will step up and fight God's enemy, who is Goliath. And through God's power and through God's strength, he steps up, he slays the giant. He becomes a national war hero right then because everyone sees it. And it brings glory to God. What happens after that is Saul brings him into his house. People are praised in his name. Saul even gives him his own daughter to be his wife. He's in Saul's family. Jovex, my father-in-law. King Saul was David's father-in-law. He's part of his family. And so he's in the family of Saul. And um, so everything's going great. When Saul experiences distress, David comes in. He plays his guitar and the spirits leave. He finds favor. Everyone knows that David has found favor in the eyes of God. So David thinks God's plan is happening. I've been anointed king. This is going good. I'm in, I'm in the king's family now. Saul's going to get old. I'm going to fight all God's enemies. We'll fight them together. Maybe Saul get old. He'll die. He'll give me the crown. Jonathan's my best friend. So he's going to want the will of God. These could be things he's thinking. I'm on a nice little road to um, see the promise of God come true in my life. But something totally different happens. Saul becomes jealous of David because the people start singing David's praises instead of Saul's. Saying David has slayed ten thousands and Saul only a thousands. Saul becomes jealous to the point where they're even sitting at dinner as a a family. And he's throwing spears at him. Now, Joe Vec hasn't hucked a spear at me, but I tend to think he might not like me if I see a spear coming across the table. Saul gets so jealous that he wants to see David murdered. He plots to see David killed and have David killed. Jonathan, his best friend, tells him about the plot. David has to escape. He gets out of there. He went from being the number one draft pick to being cut from the league in a day. He gets abandoned by 
the king, his family. He has questions whether the promises of God are even true. David went through those battles. Is God with me? Have I done something wrong? Was that a real prophecy or was that just something Samuel was saying that day? Am I really going to be the king? And know what he does? He runs the wrong way. We gotta, we gotta nail this down with like a nail gun or something. We gotta bring the DeWalt in here. He runs the wrong way. He runs to the Philistines' camp, to the enemy's camp. You know, talking about just not knowing, and we all know those times in life, what do I do? Where do I go? He decides to go to King Akish for refuge. This is his plan. In his mind, this seemed like a good idea at the time. He was experiencing so much turmoil. He said, Going to the king of the Philistines. I slayed their champion. They must want to take me in. So this is the context of Psalm 34 that we're in today. So I just want to read you. And David read, I mean, Dan read it, but I want to read it again so we can really understand the context of Psalm 34. I'm going to um, read 1 Samuel 21, 10 through 15, then the first verse of 22. And David took these words. Hold on, let's start in 10, like I said. <laughs> and David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane in their hands. And made marks on the doors of the gate and let his spittle run down his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Behold, you see, this man is mad. Why then have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen that you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? Then it says, David departed in the first verse of 22 there and escaped to the cave. So I know your first question Are we allowed to act like madmen when we're in trouble? Depends whose commentary you read. Spurgeon says he was being, he was turning to himself. It, it could have been sinful that he acted like a madman. Henry's kind of in the middle. Cruz is all for it. Matthew Cruz said the man was in trouble. He needed a plan. He went to plan B and he had to get out of it. I kind of look at the situation just like the holy bread. David was hungry. And so he ate the holy bread. And even Jesus said that was all right. David was in a situation, and he used this to be delivered. Now, I wouldn't encourage this as a plan B. But what happened to David is he realizes this was a horrible plan. These guys want to kill me. So he acts crazy. He goes to plan B, and he is delivered. So right when we're coming to Psalm 34, this is the prayer. These are shouts of thanksgiving that he's saying. He's thanking the Lord that he has delivered him. He knows the Lord is still for him. He knows he's in the sovereign plan of God, even if it means that he is going to suffer. So let's just read Psalm 34 again so it, it's fresh. Because this is the text we'll be learning from today. And you'll see the little note at the top of the chapter if you have the ESV. It says, of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he drove him out and he went away. And Abimelech is another name for the king of the Philistines. So if you get confused and say, wasn't the king's name Akish? Just so you understand, because I had to look that up, because being with the theological dudes I'm with, I want to make sure I'm not 
referencing the wrong chapter. But that was a little fun fact, so you act like you know what you're talking about. David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. We all are going to go through times of trouble. This is something you can't escape. Some people in the church as a whole will preach that if you just believe in God, you're never going to fear again. You're never going to go through trouble. You're never going to suffer. This isn't true. When you look through the Old Testament and you look at the saints and you look at those who have gone before us, there was much suffering, but there was much deliverance. From Moses to David, from Elijah to Peter, from Adam to Jesus, they suffered, but they knew where to turn. So I can guarantee you this. You will suffer. You will have times where you experience anxiety. You will have horrible experiences in your life. Some of you have already been through horrible things that no one should have been through. But there is someone who will deliver you. Because some people say, well, he delivered David. He has to deliver David. And David really never went through anything because God's hand covered him. As we see in this text today, David went through a tremendous amount of suffering. But what he does ultimately is he doesn't allow the fear in the times of trouble to keep him out of the promise of a praying life. He knows who to turn to, and he knows that his God is a deliverer. So we first learn that when these times come, because they're going to come, you need to turn to Jesus. You need to turn to God. This is what David is teaching us through his life and through his example. Many people will tell you to turn to different places of refuge. They would say, you need to go here, or you need to go there, or you need to... You know, get out of the church. I remember in 2009, I experienced one of the toughest seasons of my life. I really, if I'm honest with you guys, I didn't think I was going to get out of it. I thought my life was supposed to go a certain direction, and it didn't. And it left me with that same dread that David feels here, and we all feel, that fear of the unknown. Those can be some of the scariest times of your life if you wonder, is this God's plan? Am I in God's plan? Has he abandoned me? I felt like God abandoned me. I experienced anxiety like you wouldn't believe. I felt at times like I didn't even want to leave my house. I wept a lot. I was depressed. I didn't want to go on. And people were telling me, you know, get out of the church. That's part of the problem. You're around these people who are cuckoo. You're around people. Your source of problems is the church. Some people said, just have a few drinks, man. That's what I do, and I forget about it. All these other places where they said I should run 
to refuge. It saddens my heart when people run to these places. It saddens my heart when people run to addictions and they run to places that don't really bring refuge. I don't want that to be your story. We have a God who delivers. We have the right refuge, the only one who can deliver you. And you can turn him, turn to him at the darkest time of your life. How do these prayers look? They look like cries. They look like crying. The same way I talk about my daughters, they don't think about being eloquent. Dada, come save me from this spider by your holy name. They're like, I'm in trouble. Save me. I'm losing heart. My bones are troubled. I don't feel like going on. Sometimes I don't even feel like living. Come and save me. I just want to read you, because this was the theme of a lot of David's prayers through the Psalms. And so I want to read you a few of these so we get a taste of what it really looks like to cry out to God when we are in trouble, when we are afraid. Psalm 3, 4 says, I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. Psalm 5, 1 and 2 says, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God. For to you do I pray. Psalm 6, 2 through 9 says, Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Hear me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul is also greatly troubled. But to you, Lord, O Lord, how long? Turn, O deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. And Sheol, who can give you praise? I am weary with moaning every night. I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with weeping. My eyes waste away because of my grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. For the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. I don't want you to think that you have to sound a certain way to be heard by God. He hears you when you cry out from your heart. I've drooled, I've cried, I've moaned, I've groaned. And this is what the Lord wants from his children and instructs us to do. I heard a beautiful story of this happening from one of my brothers. I won't say his name, but he said I could share the story, and I thought it was really helpful. It was a moment of just crying out to the Lord in a time of trouble. This brother shared that um, he was having a problem with drugs. He had turned to drugs as a refuge. And... um, he had been doing cocaine all night, even into the next morning. And he found himself in his mom's house alone at 9 o'clock in the morning, laying on the couch, and he be- began to convulse. And um, he said to himself, I'm all alone. This could be it. I could be ODing. This could be the end. He had that fear and that dread like, I brought myself to this point. And what did he do in that moment? He didn't allow the fear that God might not love him or God might hear him, keep him out of the promise of a praying life. He didn't say there's no use. He cried out and said, God, save me. Save my life. I got nothing left. I've turned the wrong way. I can't pray the perfect prayer, but I know you're the perfect God. Please hear me in this time of trouble. And the Lord heard him. He saved his life. And now he's living a life 
before Jesus. Any situation. Not because you're good enough. Not because you've made the right decisions or went the right way. You might have went the totally wrong way. And you find yourself alone and feeling abandoned. You can cry out to God and he will hear your cry. And what happens when we cry out to God in these times? He answers us and he delivers us. David said, I sought for the Lord. And he heard me. And he answered me. And he delivered me from all my fears. Some might say, once again, that's for David. But David says in this text, those who look to the Lord. He said, this poor man cried out to the Lord. And he heard him and he saved him. It was by me saying, this man turned to the Lord. Larry turned to the Lord and the Lord heard him. And he delivered him from all his fears. There are many in here who have had seasons of life and turned to Jesus, and he has delivered them from their fears. There's many here who have testified and will testify that God has delivered them from their fears. He will deliver you from your fears. He is your father who loves you. He cares for you. He will protect you. Run to him as a refuge. God is good. This is truth. What is the countenance of those who turn to the Lord in these times? Shine like the sun. They're radiant. They walk around uprightly with confidence in their God, unashamed of who their God is. I am not ashamed of who my God is because he has delivered me over and over again from my fears. He has made me unashamed. He is worthy. He is able to deliver me and has and will deliver us. Please hear this, because this is truth. This is salvation. Then at the beginning of the chapter, we're going to be responding like David. Come, let us exalt the Lord together. That's how you feel. Like when you're first saved, you're like, come, let us exalt him together. He has delivered me from my fears. He has saved me through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was with a woman this week. She was losing her mom. She was 85. And she asked me if I would just pray that her mom had the same look on her face as her husband did when he passed away. Because she said her husband suffered so much from cancer. But he, she said, I, I saw this look on his face right before he went to be with Jesus. He said, it was this look of peace and radiance that I couldn't explain. That's the look of deliverance. When we've been through that suffering and we realize that God is ultimately going to deliver us. That it's okay, that my suffering has had purpose, that I have brought glory to God, and that I can rest in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We will experience no greater deliverance than when we experience the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth of this. He delivered us from our fear of death. You should not fear death. There is no sting in death. You should not fear sin because Jesus has taken your sin on the cross. Your past sins, your future sins, your disgusting sins that no one knows about. He died so that you would be declared innocent. There's no fear. No fear in the future because you're in God's hands. You may suffer, you may fear, but he will deliver you from all of your fears. In the last verse we hear today in this, this text, just through verse 8. And he says, taste and see. That the Lord 
is good. I want you guys to taste this. I want my children to know this. I don't want you going through life thinking that you don't have a refuge. And I want you to know where to turn. You can turn to a God who loves you and who cares for you. And he will deliver you. You are blessed. You are so blessed. We are blessed. Because we, by God's grace, have found refuge and the only refuge in Jesus Christ. Walk in that joy. If you're someone who does not know Jesus, if you're someone who feels the weight of your sin, and you say, God can't forgive me, I realize he's holy and I'm not, today's the day to put your faith in Christ. Today's the day to turn to him and accept that free gift of salvation. Today's the day. And when God delivers us, let's act like David. Let's shout it from the rooftops. Let's proclaim the works of God. And no greater work has been done than the work of Jesus Christ on the cross for us. That he came to seek and save that which was lost. That he died the perfect death. That he lived the perfect life. That he rose again so we could be confident in our justification. That he chose us by grace. That we might respond in faith and experience him forever. Have eternal life and be a child of God. Seven Mile Road as we worship today. Let's worship a God who is our refuge. Who is faithful. Who has delivered us. Who will deliver us. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much that you... that you make weak vessels your home. And sometimes we don't know where to run the Lord and we don't know what to do, but you have shown us the way by your grace. It's nothing we did, but you're watching over us, Father. You're watching over us and we know and we believe this is true. I pray for anyone who's going through a time that they feel that they're not going to make it through, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit would be with them. Cause them to cry out to Jesus, Lord. Cause them to cry out to you that they might be saved and delivered from all their fear. We trust you, Lord. You're our salvation and our deliverer. Amen.